With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to SOJC Radio, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. Good evening and welcome to Friday night FOJC Remnant Gathering. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper, and when two or three are gathered in His name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us, and here's Brother David. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the December 15th, 2023 edition of the FOJC Remnant Gathering. I am David Carrico, and for the next hour and probably a little more, we're going to be studying the Word of God. That's what we do here at FOJC Radio. And our study for this evening is entitled, What Does David Carrico Believe About the Law? And we have been so blessed here lately with so many new subscribers we have been adding new subscribers at a very rapid rate it's been about a hundred new subscribers about ever uh, 24 to 48 hours it's been moving that quickly and we want to be aware uh, I was watching the live the chat and in one of the chats there were people asking questions well why doesn't David Carrico eat pork uh, what do I believe about the law? And we are—we all need to be aware that we've got a lot of new people taking a look at FOJC for the first time, hundreds of them, literally. And we a lot of them don't know what we're all about. The people that are coming out of the mainstream churches have never heard anyone like us before. And I really appreciated some of our listeners were trying to help them, you know, and uh, we, we need to realize that uh, everything we know we didn't learn overnight and that uh, we want to be gracious and helpful to teach those that are coming in knowing that they're looking at something that they've never heard any of this before. So we're real thankful for that. It's a great, uh, great problem to have. Now, last week, um, I asked people to write in some to write to me and boy you did but we got a bunch of letters i'm so thankful and blessed and uh i got a nice uh package and a letter from uh from nicole i believe it was and she said that i bet you're never going to give your address out again so i'm glad i heard it well uh we are going to give it out again and i'm going to give the address out again for any of you that would like to write to me uh, it's uh, Followers of Jesus Christ, Post Office Box 671, Tell City, Indiana, 47586. And uh, just good to hear from you. I always read the letters, and I'm blessed by it. Um, another um, 
it was Carla in Washington. She wrote and she said, uh, you need a moderator. Just my opinion. Well, Carla, you're right. <laughs> and we have, uh, we've had, had some problems here lately. We've got growing pains here. We're growing so fast and we're putting out so many different broadcasts that uh, we're thankful we've added a moderator that will be in there in a lot of the broadcast and we've had a couple we try to have a very laid-back atmosphere where people can enjoy the broadcast but we're we don't like people uh, that are going to point people to other links that are going to get them into error so we don't like that and there was one person in and was saying oh nothing wrong with pork go have you some pork how they were trying to be kind of funny i think but we don't need that and there was another individual got in and was just being vulgar and rude and profane. So we're doing the very best we can. And, yeah, Carla, you're right. We do need one, and we have one, and we probably need more than that. But uh, thank you so much. And got a very, very blessed um, uh, little comment here that I'll share from Gina uh, in Ohio. She says, I'm so blessed for your ministry. I consider you my home congregation. The prayerathon is amazing. Tears run down my face through the whole broadcast. Your teachings are what I share with those wanting to learn. Well, thank you for your kind words. And December 25th is our next prayerathon. And this will be at 3:30 in the afternoon. And even though that's the day of the Saturnalia Baal Mass, that is the day the Lord hath made, and we're going to use that. Uh, to pray there on December 25th. Um, We want to say that this Sunday night, we want to be praying for our second episode in our Cities Lost in Time series. That will be uh, Karnak, the Temple of the Long Skulls, and that'll be our second uh, venture in our Cities Lost in Time series with Brian and I. Really looking forward to that. We're very thankful for the response on our first episode. Um, Also, we've been saying that we're going to have some new faces that are going to be uh, popping up on FOJC Radio. And what I like to do, you know, every time, you know, when you try to work with other ministries out there, it's not like I think that we're the end-all and be-all, but you try to work with someone and, well... Uh, they're they're good on flat earth, but then they're going to say, well, let's celebrate Christmas. Well, let's compare our apostate Bible translations. And, you know, I what I like to do, and I'm so thankful we've been able to do this, is to bring people up in the ministry, uh, like Brett, that is doing such a good job, and like uh, we're going to be um, introducing to you a new young lady, and I mean a new young lady. She's 22 years old. And uh, she is going to be presenting on our Sunday Night Live Rumble on December 24th, uh, Gillian Stone. And we're so, uh, uh, you're going to like her. And she really has a heart for the Lord. What, Donna? Okay, well, you know, Jillian. Okay, I'm sorry. And you know me, I'm great for getting names wrong. But anyway, we're excited about that. You're going to like her, and there's more. There's going to be some more surprises and new faces. We are growing here at FOJC, and uh, we're just so thankful for all of you. And I, I, I 
probably I I almost hate to miss any mention anybody. I'll forget some. We want to give a shout out to uh, Brenda, North Carolina, and to Sharon in California. Thank you so much for your kindness. And I want to read a little bit from a a, a, a letter that Mary from Missouri sent in. Just a little bit here. And um, she says this, Mary from Missouri. She says, uh, I've had so many questions about the Bible. Why did God want to kill all the men, women, and children, and animals uh, in Genesis 6? You did an excellent job explaining that. Wow, opened my eyes big time. Biblical cosmology, wow. But then there was the realization that now I understand, now you got to do what God says no more pagan holidays. Well, that's right, Mary. And more and more people all the time are getting the realization that that's what it's all about, walking in obedience to the Word of God, and uh, that's what we're going to do. We have a consistent message, and like I say, I want to bring people up in the ministry that are going to lead you right. They're just not going to say what's right when they're on the air with me, but they're going to say what's right all the time. You know, so I'm thankful to be able to do that, and that's my goal in my heart uh, here at FOJC. And thank goodness we're seeing that happen. Also, uh, we want to pray for Lorna for the breaking of generational curses. Gina wanted prayer for her family's eyes to be open. Also, our friend uh, Guy Peck has had an accident. And uh, it was an injury to his eye. And we're praying for Guy that he'll have a complete recovery. And uh, we just want to pray for him for complete healing on his accident. I forgot to write prayer for Jeannie, her husband. Who? Jeannie, her husband. Jeannie's husband's in the hospital. All right. We want to remember that. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much. For the opportunity once again to come before you and lift up Lorna for these breaking of generational curses and they can be broke Lorna whenever you repent renounce and break that curse in Jesus name it is gone we want to pray for Gina that her family's eyes be opened father just speak to them by your Holy Spirit and open their eyes and uh, we want to pray for our brother Guy that you'll just work a really miraculous work of healing in his life and just continue that healing process. We want to lift up, uh, I'm sorry, whose husband, Donna? Gene's husband in uh, the hospital. And we just pray, Father, that you just put your healing and spiritual touch in that situation. And uh, we just believe that you're going to move according to your will in a mighty, mighty way. So, Father, we just thank you and we lift these requests up to you. And, Father, we just thank you for all your mighty love and grace toward us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Worship the Lord for just a few moments. And we're going to be back with our message for this evening. What does David Carrico believe about the law? Sorry, because of the YouTube rules, we cannot put my music on this video recording. However, if you want to hear my music, you can listen to us live on Friday nights at 6 p.m. on our radio page. Or 
you can go to our podcast page and listen to the recordings there. That's FOJCRadio.com. Thank you. God bless. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews, the 7th chapter and the 12th verse. What does David Carrico believe about the law? And I want to try to give a thorough explanation. We always want to be very upfront and open about what we believe and state what we believe. And one thing about FOJC Radio, we find ourselves within the framework of Orthodox historic Christianity. By that I mean our basic message is that which was preached by the 1st and 2nd century martyrs, the pre-Constantine church. It's in line with the Puritans, with the great revival movements under Wesley and Finney and Spurgeon. And we find ourselves saying fundamentally the same thing that all believers have that have believed in preaching the gospel and discipling people to live a holy life. Faith in the Word of God, the whole Bible. And in these last days, the things we say sound very strange because dispensationalism could very well be called the cult that has kidnapped Christianity, as James Lloyd calls it. I think that's very appropriate. But also there are distinctives. In the second half of the broadcast, I want to talk about some of our distinctives of the things that make us unique at our place and our time in the body of Christ and at this time near his return. Things that we emphasize that uh, give us a little bit of a special role that I believe. But let's look at Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 12. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. And things in the law changed when Christ rose from the dead. And obviously, we understand that the Levitical system was done away with. There was a change in the law because that Levitical priesthood no longer had to offer animal sacrifice. And indeed, it was wrong to offer animal sacrifice after Jesus died as the sacrifice, the once-for-all sacrifice for some. Also, things changed with Israel no longer in the land. There were things in the law that pertained unto Israel while they were in the land, and that has changed. But the Ten Commandments, and we use the term moral law, and moral law might not be the best term, but that's about the best term we got. Everything God does is moral. Even Levitical priesthood, that was moral and right, but was only to be there for a time. Now, I want to read a comment by John Owen, and this is a good way to help us understand this, uh, his comment on Hebrews 7 and 12. He says, in this verse, the apostle evidently declares what he intended by the law in that foregoing which the people received under the Levitical priesthood. And in the next place, the law may be considered as it prescribed a way of worship in its ordinances and institutions which God did accept. The people were indispensably obliged unto whilst the law stood in force. When you lived before the cross of Christ, you would worship God 
in the temple in the tabernacle and you would come there with your offerings and if a, when an individual the law was always fulfilled by faith before the cross they couldn't do it perfectly any more than we can after but when you out of a heart of love strive to obey god god accepts that and you have salvation by grace through faith and before the cross the people that participated in the levitical system that were looking forward to that messiah that were come they were saved by grace through faith and we're going to be with them one time in very soon i believe uh in heaven praise god and this is a pretty best way to understand it you don't use that levitical system and when we read scripture whatever pertains to that and we're going to give you some examples of the laws that pertain to israel in the land and it's it's going to be going to be helpful now in hebrews 10 and 1 for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year year continually make the comers thereunto perfect and the law was was perfectly good and right and it was holy and it was just to look to christ christ fulfilled everything in the levitical system it pointed to jesus all of those sacrifices pointed to the one sacrifice that jesus would one day come and make but when jesus made that sacrifice that levitical system has been changed there's a change in the law and a change in the priesthood because the priest after the order of melchizedek is here that levitical system is no longer valid now in first peter chapter 2 and verse 9 another very very important thing to understand if you can understand that you pretty much got it um in first peter 2 and 9 but you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation a peculiar people that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light and it was promised unto israel in exodus 19 that if they obeyed god they would be that holy nation and peculiar people but as we know they did not and now the israel of god the believers in christ we are the holy nation and we are the peculiar people and all of the scriptures that were there for while israel is the land they also do not apply to us because israel is now the holy people of the israel of god not some piece of real estate in the Middle East. Now, in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 17, I'll give you an example of that. In Exodus chapter 23 and verse 17, it says concerning the feasts of God, it says three times in the year all males shall appear before the Lord. And these were at the three principal feasts at uh, Passover, Pentecost, and uh, the Feast of Booths and uh, the Sukkot and thank God now you can celebrate a Passover and a Pentecost without and a Feast of Tabernacles without going to Jerusalem you see be, while Israel is in the land every male that was able had to come to Jerusalem three times in the year with 
uh, with to celebrate the feast. But now, in the Word of God, thank God, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, Let us therefore, excuse me, therefore let us keep the feast. It doesn't say don't keep the feast anymore, but Paul said, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we do honor God's feast, and we do it not according to the old leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but we do it by the leading of the Holy Spirit in a way that's going to glorify and lift up Jesus Christ. And every year at the at the holidays, we always have questions about that, and that's fine. So we'll be saying this over and over again. And we, we have to understand these fundamental truths so that we can help our new friends coming along to be able to understand, because you don't understand it all at once, I guarantee you. The things we know tonight... Uh, uh, we're learning all the time, so thank the Lord for that. In Exodus chapter 22 and verse 18, here's another example. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Now, when Israel was in the land, witchcraft was a capital offense. And that was right, and that was fine. But now that Israel is not in the land, now it's very true that the Lord will one day put the witches to death the first death and the second death, and they'll suffer an eternity in the lake of fire. But don't be killing witches. You know, that's not our job because Israel is not in the land, and there's been a change in the law because there's been a change in the priesthood. So we do not enact the death penalty on things that were capital crimes while Israel was in the land. A little common sense, please. Now, always... Where the difficulty comes is in sorting out what still applies and what does not apply. And what I always say is whenever you can take a precept of God's law and apply it to your life in a godly way, you're going to be blessed by it. You are just absolutely going to be blessed by it. And the idea that God's moral precepts have in any way changed or lessened, this is just a fallacy of the modern dispensational madness. And for any of you that don't know, the teaching of dispensationalism, which was championed by the Schofield Reference Bible and Dallas Theological uh, Seminary, that these uh, people, they say, well, basically... Under the law, it was all law and no grace, and now under grace, it's all grace and no law. That the law has passed away, it's invalid, and they pretty much put the death nail on everything left of Matthew. It's really an abomination, and that is one of the big reasons why we see the deep apostasy that we are in in this present time. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and let's look at verse 5. And we can see from reading Scripture that the last thing in the world you'll get from reading the New Testament is that the Old Testament's invalid. Let's just read a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. 
talking back to the Old Testament teachings on the rebellion of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They were our examples. Far from ignoring that, that was an example for us. Verse 7, neither be ye idolaters of some of their work. Idolatry was wrong then, it's wrong now. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication. Fornication is still wrong. No, that's a news flash that uh, a, a lot of people out in uh, the 501c3 church world know to get. Yeah, fornication is still wrong. As some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000, neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things, all of these Old Testament events recorded in Scripture, now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So far, from disregarding it, we are to regard it and take it as an example. Now, let me give you an example of the moral law. Uh, the moral law is the the big the big guns. We're going to read a little bit from Bunyan and Fletcher talking about the ten guns. Yeah, the ten big guns. And the Ten Commandments are the ten big guns of God's moral law, but all through the Old Testament, and all through the Torah, there's much more moral law that is there that people will throw away to their own damnation. One example, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. And for anyone to think, you know, the Bible says uh, in the book of Malachi, uh, I'm the Lord God, I change not. Malachi 2 and 6, Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yet people will think that, well, that was an abomination to God then, but he must like it now. You know, that's just nonsensical, ridiculous thinking. Now, he goes on to spell it out. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter of familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. That was true in Deuteronomy. It's also true now. What, Donna? Okay. The rest. Donna wants me to read the rest of the verse, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Amen. So it's not that hard. It's not that hard. There is moral law that's eternal. God doesn't change in what he tells us is right and wrong. But there were things pertaining to the Levitical priesthood, and there were things pertaining to the civil law of Israel in the land that have changed. And we need to be very aware of this and to sort out. Uh, and that's where some differences will come in. We'll talk about that a little bit. 
of what really is in the vehicle system and what is it. We'll give you some examples of that also when we talk about our distinctives in the second half of the broadcast. Now, I want to bring a little Puritan Thunder here for you. A little Puritan Thunder from John Bunyan. And John Bunyan, he had this to say. Uh, This is from Volume 1, page 600. And you don't miss what these guys have to say. And I want to always try to be very, I want to be polite, I don't want to be rude, but I I have to be forceful and I have to make it plain. I don't want there to be any ambiguity about what I believe. I want to be very upfront what I believe and why I believe it. Now, John Bunyan said this. He said, Nor may be it thought that a few quarrels of some brain-sick fellows will put God upon taking new measures for his people. What foundation has been laid for his before he laid the foundation of the world shall stand, for that it was laid in Christ by virtue of mercy, that is, from everlasting. The old laws, which are the Magna Charta, the sole basis of the government of the kingdom, may not be cast away for the pet that is taken by every little gentleman against them. Amen, Brother Bunyan. The old, and literally, John Bunyan, and this is just, more preachers do this than don't anymore. They say the law has just totally passed away, all of it, Ten Commandments and everything. John Bunyan called people like that brain sick, and I agree with him. He said the old laws are the Magna Carta of the kingdom. Oh, how I love thy Lord, law, O oh Lord. And for and for people to think, and as he put it, for people to think that the, they cast away for their little pet peeve, they just stole the law away. Well, what are you thinking? Are you thinking that you can do away with the very holy law of God that he set down in his heart before the foundation of the world, and you can just Do away with it by your little book you want to write or your little sermon you want to preach. Well, I tell you what, that's very dangerous. And in the time, and like I say, what I say we're going to see, I am in line with the Puritans. I'm in line with John Wesley. I am in line with those separated Baptists, John Gill, Charles Spurgeon. What I say about the law is right down the line with what these people believe. What I say about the law is not in line with this modern apostasy. And when I say FOJC radio is in line with the framework of historical Orthodox Christianity, that's what I mean. We are living in last days apostasy, but I guarantee you we're not the only people that's ever known God. There's been some good brothers and sisters go before us, and we can learn some stuff from them. Neither do I believe we're the only people that know the Lord now. Neither do I believe that anyone that disagrees with me in any place is going to be burn in hell. But we believe what we believe. We teach it strongly because we believe that we have a message for the body in these last days. Now, something else John Bunyan said. And John Bunyan said this. This is in um, volume one on page. No, I read that already. I'm going to read from um, volume three here. And John Bunyan said this. I love it. He said, 
Consider thus. Would I be glad to have all and every one of the Ten Commandments to discharge themselves against my soul? The first saying, Damn him, for he hath broken me. The second saying, Damn him, for he hath broken me. Consider how terrible this will be, yea, more terrible than if thou shouldest have ten of the biggest pieces of ordnance in England to be discharged against thy body. The ten great guns, as John Bunyan called them. And I don't, I don't care what you say, what you think, those ten great guns, they're as good right now as when the Lord gave them to Moses on Mount Sinai. And there was a time, and throughout the history of Orthodox Christianity, and by that I mean people that really believed the Bible, um, there were differences between Wesley and Gill, but they both believed in preaching the gospel. They both believed in people being born again. They both believed that when you are, you need to live a separated and holy life. And they both believed in the word of God from the very first verse to the last. You can say that about the followers of Wesley, Gill, Spurgeon. You can say that uh, about all of these orthodox movements. Today, that has been thrown in the trash can by dispensationalism and last days apostasy. Now, let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. And this will show you the religion of the beast. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, just take the time to look that word wicked up in your strongs or your thayers or whatever you have, and what you're going to find that that says is without the law of Moses, without law. And this is exactly the position of modern dispensationalism. They're without law. They're without law because they have declared it null and void. This should be a big, big clue for people. Now, throughout the history of the church, one of the worst things that you could be called would be an antinomian. That means against the law. And I'll read something here from Jonathan Fletcher, who was John Wesley's traveling companion and his debater. Uh, he was, Jonathan Fletcher is one of the best kept secrets in the body. I tell you, he was a dandy. But I'll just read a couple of things that Jonathan Fletcher wrote. He said, the moral law of Christ and the moral law of Moses are one and the same. Amen. The moral law is rescued from under the feet of the antinomians. Anyone that was labeled an antinomian would not have ever filled a pulpit in the days of the Puritans and these other great movements of God when people really preached the real gospel and really got saved. Brother Fletcher goes on to say this, Let no solophidian make you afraid of the commandments. Amen. Don't let anybody make you afraid of the commandments of God. Methinks I see the bleeding captain of our salvation lifting up the standard of the cross and giving thus the word of command, 
dread not my precepts. If you love me, keep my commandments. Blessed are they who keep God's commandments that they may enter into the city by the gate and lay hold on eternal life. If this is the language of inspiration, far from dreading the ten great guns, love them next to the wounds of Jesus. Amen. Don't dread those ten great guns, but love them next to the wounds of of Jesus, when we really understand the marvelous and wonderful the law is, we'll truly say with the psalmist, Oh, how I love thy law, O Lord. And I do believe that I have left my John Wesley book in the front room. You know I do do this from time to time. So I'm going to have to have Sister Donna fill in here while I run get my book. So Sister Donna, there you go. In season, amen. Well, here I am. I'll just tell you uh, while I'm on here that uh, I am collecting prayer requests already for the prayer-thon. Uh, we have the new prayer-thon page, which has a little form on it. So when I can zoom through my thousands of emails I can pick them out faster when people use the forms so I've already collected uh, probably about 10 or 12 and uh, we usually have about 40 or 50 on paper before the night of the prayer-a-thon and then when we have that prayer-a-thon and we get the ones from the chat we have I really never counted them all but I know it's a lot of prayer a lot of praying we do for um, probably about three hours so thank you so much for helping us to make that a success and also uh, one big prayer thing that everybody ought to be praying is for all these people that do have to go uh, to their family gatherings that may be the only time that their family has those days off so they usually feel compelled that they have to go they don't really go to celebrate the pagan holiday but we need to remember this because I went through it over and over and I, I don't do it anymore but when a person is put in that position it's very difficult so we need to pray for everyone that's in that position where they have to stand firm about the pagan holidays but yet be around those relatives you ready David? I'm ready okay. thank you very much All All right. I'm sorry. I got my mic down now. But let's read Romans 3 and 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. I mean, let's read our Bibles. We establish the law. We don't make it void. That's the New Testament. Now, one of the sermons that I read years ago, and one of my, like I always say, we have only one teacher. That's the Holy Ghost. But we have many valuable counselors and we won't agree with all of our counselors on every little point they won't agree with one another but if they love the doctrine of christ and uh, those things that are most important we can learn from them yes we can now i'm going to read what john wesley his sermon the law established through faith he said it has been shown in the preceding discourse, which are the most usual ways of making void the law through faith. First is not preaching it at all. 
yeah, uh, that's just a good way. Let's just not preach it. You know, we got a lot of that. Let's just not even bring it up. He says, secondly, the teaching, whether directly or indirectly, that faith supersedes the necessity of holiness. That's everywhere out there. We give you, I could read a gaggle of quotes from modern preachers that say that holiness is no longer a necessity. And he said, we establish the law first by our doctrine, by endeavoring to preach it in its whole context to explain and enforce every part of it in the same manner as our great teacher did while upon the earth. And how important is it? And there's a statement Brother Wesley makes here where he says, basically, he says, if you do away with the law, that you do away with the gospel. In other words, you cannot have a true gospel if you do not have preached the law. And I believe that that is absolutely true. I believe that without the preaching of the law to bring conviction of sin upon people, because that is the way sin is, the transgression of the law. And if you do not preach the law, how can there be conviction of sin? And absolutely, I believe that Brother Wesley was right in that. Now... Let's go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, and I want to read just a a little snippet from a Baptist boy. You know, if you read John Gill and say that he was a Baptist, my goodness, he'd get thrown out of any Baptist church I know of, and thank God for that. But in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, uh, it says this, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law of God tells us what sin is. Sin is the transgression of the law. And when someone throws out God's law, how can they know what sin is? They're just going to make it up for whatever they think is right in their own mind. Now, John Gill, he had a sermon, and it is called The Law Established by the Gospel on the same text that Brother Wesley preached on. And Brother Gill said, another use of the law is to convince of sin. For by the law is the knowledge of sin, of sin original and actual, of the sin of our hearts and nature, as well as the sin of our lips, lives, and actions. I had not known sin, says the apostle, but by the law, for I had not known it to be a sin and sinful, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet and far you know so many people try to use paul to say the laws passed away well we read romans 3:31 he said we established the law by faith in romans chapter 7 and verse 12 the apostle said plainly wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good and in verse 14 he said for we know that the law is spiritual but i am carnal sold under sin and when we will look at god's spiritual holy law it will make us aware of the sinfulness within us that we might repent and that we might draw closer unto him and this is indeed perfection perfection of the understanding 
of the things of God in Psalm chapter 119 and the 96th verse. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. What depth, what beauty, and what power we have in the marvelous word of God and the marvelous law of our holy God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, before we take a break, I want to try to explain three things uh, uh, to us. The law of works, the law of faith, and the law of Christ. Just exactly what these three biblical terms are, what they mean, and it will certainly help us in our understanding. Um, in 1 Corinthians 9, 20 and 21, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, not being without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. Now, huh, we need to unpack that, don't we? Now, it says here that being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. And we want to understand that mean, what that means. And we want to do everything we can to relate and associate with people without denying the biblical truths that we need to stand for. Now, I'm going to read a statement by John Gill, and then I'm going to read something by Thomas Boston. He said, Brother Gill said on this scripture, Another use and office of the law is that it is a rule of life, that is, of action, walk, and conversation to the saints who are not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That means absolutely that, yes, the Ten Commandments and all of God's precepts are right. We are not without law to God and under the law to Christ. And I want to read one of the best explanations I've ever heard of the law. It's a book written by Edward Fisher, The Moral of Modern Divinity. And this book was read by Thomas Boston when he was a young man, and it made such an impression upon him that he published an edition of it later. Thomas Boston went on to be one of the real leaders in the Puritan movement, and he put his notes in it, and uh, it's, it's worth reading. But I want to share with you the explanations here that uh, are given by Brother Boston on these three laws. Now, he says this, To be under the law to God is without question to be under the law of God. You know, how can we be under the law of God without being under the law, excuse me, how to be under the law to God is to be under the law of God. I mean, it's just kind of a no-brainer in it. Whatever it may be judged to import more, it can import no less, therefore, to be under the law to Christ. So, to be under the law to Christ and under the law to God, it just basically means the same thing. Now, I want to read three scriptures here that set down three statements about the law that we will ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand. Yes, we will. Galatians 2.16, there's a law of works. 
Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. We have the law of works. We have in Romans chapter 3 and verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. We have the law of works. We have the law of faith. And we heard it in 1 Corinthians 9. And we're going to hear it again in Galatians 6 and 2. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what are these three laws? And how do they relate to one another? Well, let's have a little help here from Brother Boston. He gives a good explanation. He says, By the law of works is meant the law of the Ten Commandments as the covenant of works. And before the cross... The law was the way people kept the law with their animal sacrifices looking forth to that Savior that would one day come, Jesus Christ. The law of works is the Ten Commandments and all the law under the first covenant. By the law of faith, the gospel or covenant of grace for justification. The law of faith is, it says, that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ upon the cross, that our penalty of sin for the broken law, we are forgiven, we are justified, and we are forgiven. Even the people under the first covenant, they couldn't keep it perfectly no more than we can. Love fulfilled the law then as now. And when we lovingly are doing all we know and understand to obey, God accepts that. Thank God. So the law of works was that Ten Commandments under the First Covenant. The law of faith is that gospel under the New Covenant that gives us forgiveness for the broken law. And he goes on to say, by the law of Christ is meant the same law of the Ten Commandments as a rule of life in the hands of a, of a mediator to believers already justified. Amen. The law of Christ is the same Ten Commandments, but now they are a little bit different because the rule, the Ten Commandments is still our rule for life, but now we have the Holy Spirit to empower us to be able to keep the law of God with a loving heart. And a couple more things, and we're going to take our break. Brother Boston said, He who hath believed on Jesus Christ, though he be freed from the curse of the law, is not freed from the command and obedience of the law, but tied thereunto by an obligation and a new command from Christ, which new command from Christ importeth, help to obey the command. We now have the Holy Spirit to help us obey. And But Brother Boston concludes, he says, but the original indispensable obligation of the law of the Ten Commandments, but that, the original 
indispensable obligation of the law of the Ten Commandments is in any measure weakened by the believers taking it as the law of Christ and not as the law of works, or that the sovereign authority of God the Creator is inseparable from all ages will appear groundless. In other words, the Ten Commandments are just as good now as they were under the First Covenant. The difference is we now are forgiven in Christ and we have the Holy Spirit to help us obey those Ten Commandments. And that makes Matthew 11 and 28 a reality. I'll read that and then we're going to take a break. In Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, and verse 28, you know the scripture. The scripture says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We will have the Holy Ghost from heaven to help us to fall in love with the Lord and his law. Well, after the break, I'm going to talk to you about the FOJC radio distinctives, the things that we do in practice that make us different from a lot of other folks. You stay with us. We'll be right back in just a moment. Hello, FOJC Radio Remnant family. Sister Donna here. I just want to thank all of you for your support and your love and kindness. Just wanted to let you know that here at FOJC Radio, we want to reach the world for Jesus. I know you know this verse. You've said it as a child probably many times. But as a reminder, and John... 3 verses 16 and 17 it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved in order to do this we have chosen to use many different avenues we have our regular Friday night message with Brother David. And then we have our Sunday night live. And we have different people on it. Sometimes we're on Rumble and sometimes we're on YouTube. You just never know who we might have on there. But I just wanted to remind you all and thank you for your support and Give us a listen on Sunday Night Live. These programs usually start at 8 p.m. Central Time. You never know what we might be doing. We're full of all kinds of surprises. We want to reach the world for Jesus. out there, you homeschoolers, and you children that get bored easily, hey, we've got a program for you, Drawing Living Waters. It's a program with Brian and Adam, 
where they discuss biblical topics and they share scripture while Adam is doing a live drawing about whatever topic is at hand. Their focus is for you, a slightly younger audience, but some of us oldies love it too, and for homeschool kids so you can get excited and get into scripture and you will have scripture come to life before your very eyes. Brian and Adam are presenting this program in a way to help younger children understand what scripture really says and the, the things that it really reveals. I know sometimes you think us old people just talk over your heads. So we're doing this for you. So praise God and tune in Tuesday evenings at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Underground Church FOJC on YouTube and watch the new Drawing Living Waters program with Brian Reese and Adam Yubara. Now back to tonight's message with Brother David Carrico on FOJC Radio. Welcome back to the FOJC Remnant Gathering. And as I always do, are we got a sound problem? Are you hearing me out there in the chat? Give me a shout out there if you can hear me okay in the chat. All right. Are we hearing now? All right. I hope you can hear me out there. Uh, if you can hear me out there in the chat, give me a shout out there. So I know we're coming through here. We're struggling here with a little sound issue. Yes, all right. There we go. Thank you very much. Okay. We're going to talk, and as I always do after the break, I want to thank each and every one of you that studies with us and prays for us and supports us with your gifts and with your kindness. We do thank you from the very bottom of our heart. Here, our, our motto here at FOJC, we're, we want to get the gospel out to just as many people as we can. Like they say in basketball, we want to leave it all on the floor. We ain't holding nothing back. We want to we want to put everything out there for the Lord to reach as many people as we can. So thank you so very much. Now, as I said in this last part of the broadcast, I want to talk about some of the distinctives that makes FOJC radio distinct. One of those would be flat earth. Uh, we believe in biblical cosmology, and we think it's very important, and we teach it uh, quite a bit, as you all know. But I don't believe that Everyone that doesn't believe that is going to go to hell. I have to also say, whenever truth comes to you and you reject it, it's always very dangerous. So uh, every doctrine is important, and I believe that is also important, but I didn't believe that myself because I was over 65 years old, <laughs> you know? And that's rough when you get that old to have that kind of a, a paradigm shift, but it's good because it's of God and it's right. So that would be one of our distinctives that makes us uh, different from many other people in the body. But, and another one, you know, I had a uh, one of the people in the chat ask, well, why doesn't David eat pork? Well, I'm going to try to explain that to you. That is another one of the distinctives of FOGC Radio. We believe that the teaching 
on clean and unclean animals, what is food, I believe that is a part of the law that continues. Now, people disagree on that. There's a lot of people that believe that the law on the clean and unclean animals, that's that's a part of the Levitical law that has passed away. Matthew Henry disagrees with me on that. But I have to disagree with the good man on that point. There's not a whole lot that he and I disagree on, but I have to disagree with him on that. And I want to explain to you why. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and 4. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. Now, I used to believe that scripture meant that anything's good to eat if you pray for it. Every creature of God is good. But I believe the Lord has shown me otherwise. And I'll share with you uh, why I believe so. Now, every creature of God is good. Well, that is very, very true. Now, let's look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God made animals that were clean. God made animals that were unclean. And he said that they were all good. There's a difference between being good and unclean for food. Now, let's just think about dogs and cats. According to Leviticus 11.27, anything that walks on its paws is unclean. Dogs and cats are unclean, but are they not good? Do we have any dog or cat owners in the house tonight? Is it not a great and marvelous gift from God to have a little cat or a little dog that is so loyal and loving? But it's not right to eat kitty and spotty. You know, you don't want to eat them because they're unclean. Now, that's not hard, is it? So dogs and cats are not clean, but they're good. And when God said every creature of God is good, he did not mean that everything was okay to eat. How about a rat? Would you like to eat a rat? I don't think so. How about a nice bowl of spiders? And people are down now to where they are eating bugs. But, you know, this is just absolutely brain dead. A little common sense, please. Now, Albert Barnes absolutely nails this. And most people really blow by this. But Albert Barnes said this in his commentary on 1 Timothy 4 and 4. So, amen, every creature of God is good. But, no, that doesn't mean. That means even clean and unclean animals are good, but that doesn't mean they're good for food. That's what the Bible is telling us in Leviticus, what food really is. Now, Albert Barnes said, It is good in its place, good for the purpose for which he made it. Amen. But it should not be inferred that a thing which is poisonous in nature is good for food, because it is a creation of God. It is good only in its place, and for the ends for which he intended it. Nor should it be inferred that what God has made is necessarily good after it has been perverted by man. Amen. A little common sense, please. And he goes on to say, Uh, It cannot mean that we are not to refuse poison if offered in our food or that we are never to refuse food that is to us injurious or offensive. Amen. Little common sense, please. So all animals are good. 
Amen. Even our little unclean cats or dogs. But you do not eat kitty or spotty. Now that's easy for me. And I know it's easy for you. Just a little bit of common sense, please. So what I used to think was a slam dunk scripture saying it's okay to eat everything is far from that. When you really look at it in the light of the totality of the word of God. Now let's go to Colossians chapter 2. And will another one of the distinctions of FOJC Radio, we believe that the clean and unclean foods are still uh, something for the body right now. And I, and I want to say, too, I don't put everyone in hell that doesn't have the light on this. But I say also it's very important because there and there's a difference between defilement and sin, but defilement prevented the priest when he was unclean from going in and worshiping and defilement will hurt you defilement is still a reality but the way of cleansing is different when you touched a dead body under the first covenant it said you were unclean and had to go to be cleansed under the new covenant also that will defile you But now our cleansing is in Jesus. And there's all kinds of craziness here. Uh, There are some people that say that um, a woman during her period has to wear a... There's actually assemblies in the Hebrew movement that they'll have a woman wear a red ribbon when she's on her period so no one will touch her. I mean, good grief. Our cleansing is in Christ. Defilement is a reality, but our cleansing is in Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So a little bit of common sense, please. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 through 20, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and I'm sorry I jumped ahead I want Colossians 2 16 and 17 all right let's read verse 16 and 17 first let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day now let's just get let's just get one thing in our minds right away this scripture is talking about people that are celebrating the holy days of God. Amen? And it's talking about people that are coming in and judging people about the way they are celebrating the feasts and the Sabbath of God. So this scripture is really twisted. It's real plain. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. There is much more at stake here than just whether or not the Jewish food laws and holidays are still valid. Absolutely, the Apostle Paul would have said 100% that they are. Now, in the uh, commentary... In the the NICOT commentary, the New International Commentary series, which has nothing to do with the New International Commentary, they identified the people that were 
trying to put this on the believers in Colossae as the Halakhic Jews and the Halakhic mystics. Now that means the Jewish people that believed in strict observance of the law like a Pharisee and they were into the Merkaba mysticism, that which would become Kabbalah and that which would become Gnosticism and they had all kinds of bizarre requirements. It's not like we're just talking about, well, uh, should we eat uh, pork or not? It was the way that they went about it. For instance, in Mark the seventh chapter, the issue here is not whether we should eat pork or not. The issue here is about the regulations of the Pharisees about eating food without doing their ritual hand washing. And the same is true. There were people coming in from these extreme Jewish cults telling them all kinds of laws that were coming from Talmud and Kabbalah that they had to practice to be properly observing the holy days and the and the feasts. Now, in Mark chapter 7, let's read what Jesus said. Then came together unto him the Pharisees, certain of the scribes, which came from Jerusalem, And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. This was the issue. The Pharisees coming in and telling them not what they were eating, but that they had to do this ritualistic hand washing before they eat. In verse 3, For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not holding the tradition of the elders. That tradition of the elders has nothing to do with the law of God. These were things that were added on. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold. Lots of stuff they want to put on you. As the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk ye not according to the tradition of the elders? But eat with unwashing hands. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Absolute man-made doctrines, not the commandments of God. That is the problem. Now, let's have our apostate Bible slam of the week. Mark chapter 7 and 19, it goes on to say, uh, yeah, Mark 7 and 19, it says here, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And that was the explanation Jesus gave of why you won't be defiled by eating something without doing the ritualistic hand washing. Now, let's go to the NIV Bible and let's have our apostate Bible slam of the week. Um, Jesus said, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. This is what it says in the NIV. For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body, Here's the added on part. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Listen to that. Right there. You can read that in the English Standard Version. You can read it in in the NIV. But you don't get it 
in the Greek received text or the King James Bible because the real Jesus never said it. This is a tack on from the Apostates Westcott and Hort Apostate Bible Slam of the Week. Get your head out of them. And I know I'm talking to the I'm talking to the choir, but it says plainly here, and this is a verse that I used in the NIV when people would share with me that it was wrong to eat these unclean foods, I'd throw Mark 7:19 in the NIV. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean, but I guarantee you the real Jesus never said that. So there you go. Now, let's read on just a little bit in the epistle to the Colossians, and we'll see here that absolutely what we're talking about in this passage that is so many times used against people that would eat want to eat clean and observe God's times. Uh, in Colossians chapter 2, let's begin in verse 18, and let's read just a little bit. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministereth and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if he be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using wait for it, after the commandments and doctrines of men, M-E-N. What Paul is talking about here, (coughs) from his own words, he's not talking about the commandments of God, he's talking about these commandments of men, and don't let people turn that around on you and confuse you, because this is done all of the time. Another group we'll mention here that was a Jewish group at the time of the Church of Colossae were the Essenes. And the Essenes had all kinds of crazy food laws that were just laws of men, just like these uh, Halakhic mystics. The Essenes also was a prominent group that would have all kinds of crazy food laws. I'll give you just a little example from Barnes' commentary. He said the Essenes allowed themselves no food that was pleasant to the taste, but ate dry, coarse bread and drank only water. Many of them ate nothing until sunset, and if one touched them who did not belong to their set, they washed themselves as if they had been most deeply defiled. And this groups of the Essenes and these Halakhic Jewish mystics That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about people that are coming in to believers that are observing God's laws, and they're telling them how to do it. And uh, this is just very, very, very plain from the text. Let's look at the book of Leviticus, chapter 11. And I want to share with you just a little bit of why I believe that this part of the Torah is a part of the moral law and not the the ritual law passed away in Leviticus 11 and this is the chapter that tells us what food is and the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron saying unto them speak to the children of Israel saying 
These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. <coughs> and it tells us what food is. You know, and this is true and right for everybody. Um, now, one of the reasons, let's look at verse 43 and 44 in Leviticus 11. Leviticus 11, chapter 43 and 44. Ye shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creepeth, neither shall ye make yourselves unclean with them, that ye should be defiled thereby. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And this is quoted in the New Testament. In First Peter, the first chapter, and the 15th and the 16th verse, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And I believe that this is a part of the sanctification process, and that this will greatly help anybody that will walk in obedience to that. You'll be blessed physically, and you will be blessed spiritually by it. We'll take a look at one of the texts that is most often used to say that it's okay to eat just everything in the 10th chapter of Acts. It says this, beginning in verse 10. And he became very hungry, and this is talking about the Apostle Peter. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open. Excuse me. And a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and of creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The, and the voice spake again unto him the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Well, a lot of people, and I believed at one time too, that this was talking about the, the clean and unclean animals, that it's okay to eat them all. But according to Peter himself and the word of God, that wasn't the point. That this was a parable for him and the point of it was in Acts chapter 10 and 28 out of Peter's own mouth and he said unto them ye know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or unto one of another nation now he's not talking about the law of God but that tradition of the elders but God hath shewed me that I should not call any man common or unclean Amen. It's talking not about the food, but it's talking about clean and unclean people. Right there from the scripture. I want to say just a little bit about the holidays and the Sabbath. Um, Just briefly to give just a bit of explanation. In the 23rd chapter of Leviticus, one thing we do... We do not celebrate pagan holidays. We do not celebrate Easter. We do not celebrate Christmas, Valentine's Day, uh, because these are just frankly pagan. Now in Leviticus 23 and 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto them 
speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy, convocations, even these are my feasts. Now, I think it's just good common sense. The Bible doesn't say to celebrate Jesus' birthday. And so I think it's a real good idea not to do what the Bible doesn't tell us to do and to do what the Bible says to do. (coughs) Therefore, we will celebrate and honor the feasts of God, and we do so in a way that's honoring to Christ. We don't say you, and I tell you what, I would rather stick my finger in my eye than join in with some of these Hebrew root movements that are celebrating the feasts. My goodness, that's not what I'm saying. But we can honor that day by gathering together, by preaching, by teaching, uh, by making proclamation, this is God's special time. And that we will do. And we will not honor those times that are being used as a means of rank apostasy and infiltration of idolatry into the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, and I read this scripture earlier, and I'm going to read it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, it says... Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And we can keep the feast that are honoring to God, being led by the Holy Spirit. Excuse me, my voice is about gone here. I'm going to have to quit. My voice is given out. Now, Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen. Be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers, that it move not. Don't learn the way of the heathen. And it says... The customs of the people are vain. And in Jeremiah 10, the pagan custom of cutting down a tree is pagan and abominable to God to take it and to bring it in your home and to decorate it. And we've had a lot to say about this, as you know, but it's real clear. I mean, what do you got to know? Leviticus chapter 18, the Bible says that's a pagan custom, abomination to God. And in Leviticus chapter 18, verses 29 and 30, For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall ye keep my ordinance, wait for it, that... Ye commit not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. You will take the pagan customs of Satan and attach them to the worship of God at your great peril. The word of God is clear. There should be no there should be no debate here for people that fear God and want to obey his word. It's a pagan custom. And if you do a pagan custom, that's abomination. You're in danger of being cut off. There needs to be a little bit of fear of God. And the problem is it's idolatry. It's paganism. 
<clears throat> don't do it. Repent. Don't do it. Repent, repent, repent. I want to read uh, just a couple more. Galatians 4. I want to mention this scripture because this scripture also is so often used against those that would honor God's times and God's Sabbath. Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. Howbeit then, when ye knew God, ye did service unto them which were by nature no gods. The Galatians weren't Hebrews. They were the Gallic people. And when they did not know God, they weren't celebrating the Jewish feasts. They were celebrating those pagan festivals uh, that were among the Celtic people. The Gauls became uh, the Celtic people. It said, Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. And he was afraid because they were celebrating the pagan holidays of the Celtic people. Abomination. We observe God's times. Do you remember in Deuteronomy 18, it talked about an observer of times being abomination unto God? That's what we're talking about. It's real easy. Let's do what the Bible says to do, and let's don't do what the Bible doesn't say to do, and is clearly abomination. And this is something that makes FOJC Radio distinct. We say that it's not enough to call yourself a remnant ministry. You need to really be a remnant ministry and separate yourself from the apostasy. And that's what we are. We're a come out, separate yourself group. No doubt about it. No apologies for it. And this is a message that badly needs to be heard in this day and this hour and this time. I want to talk about one more thing here briefly that is a distinctive of FOJC. We believe in honoring the Sabbath. We believe that that Sabbath is from sunup Saturday to sunup Sunday. The reason why we believe that is that's what the Bible says. Now, there's a lot of people that believe in a Sunday Sabbath. And, well, I'm glad you're at least trying to celebrate the Sabbath. Uh, I don't put people in hell that celebrate a Sunday Sabbath. However, I believe that most people that go to church on Sunday, they have no concept in their mind they're even trying to honor the Sabbath. I think that's just pretty much gone. Uh, it's just a habit for them to go to church on Sunday. But there were some serious people that believed that the Sabbath was on Sunday. I've read those arguments. I reject them. I don't believe that there's any basis in Scripture for it. I believe that sab the Sabbath is on Saturday. Now, I also do not believe the rabbinic Sabbath, that Sabbath begins at sundown. That's totally rabbinic. There are a couple of the feasts that are differentiated that it the feast does start at sundown. If it wasn't the obsession to the rule, it would not have to have been stated. But let's just read a slam dunk verse here. Uh, this is real easy. You know, this is not a complicated situation at all. In Matthew 28, verse 1, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, boom, that's it, game over. The Sabbath, according to the Gospels, that Jesus and his followers observed, it ended at sunup on Sunday. It began sunup on Saturday to sunup on Sunday. And let's just read 
the the scripture in Genesis chapter 1. And like I say, I don't put everyone in hell that doesn't agree with me on this, but here again, I think being biblically accurate is really, really important. Now, let's look at Genesis chapter 1, and let's begin in verse 3. Let's read about the first day of creation, and let's just ask ourselves this question. When did the first day begin? Did it begin at sunup? Or did it begin at sundown? Now, if I could line up 10 first graders here, and if I'd say, now, kiddies, does the day begin when the sun comes up? Or does the day begin when the sun goes down? All 10 of them would say, the day begins when the sun comes up. If I would get 10 Jewish rabbis and ask them the same question, they would all say, no, the day begins when the sun goes down. Let me tell you, I'll go with the first graders. Now let's read about the first day of creation and let's see if we get any clues. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. And God said, let there be light. That is the first word in scripture describing the first day of creation. Do you think it might have begun there? When God said, and let there be light and there was light. I think that might be a clue for us. I think this might be exactly what started the first day. And God saw the light that it was good and divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day now that word evening in the Hebrew what it means is the diminishing of light you cannot have evening unless you have light that precedes it that diminishes it it is absolutely wrong to teach that the first day began at sundown, or any day does. So bless their hearts. Uh, it's real clear. Just read Matthew 28 and 1. It's a slam dunk. Send your saddle home, John. The Sabbath of Jesus and the Sabbath of FOJC Radio. It ends at sunup on Sunday. It begins on sunup and Saturday. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Amen. As always, I want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of the broadcast this evening. We love you and appreciate you. And um, tomorrow night, I'll be with John doing the Midnight Ride. Uh, It's going to be Frosty Sunday Night Live, our second edition of Cities Lost in Time, the Karnak, the Temple of the Long Necks. It's going to be frosty, guarantee you. So, with all thankfulness to the Lord and all of you, we just want to say, uh, God bless you, and good night until next Friday night, 6 p.m. Central, on the FOJC Remnant Gathering. God bless you all. Thank you for listening and joining in fellowship with us here at FOJC Radio Remnant Gathering. You can contact us at FOJC Post Office Box 671 Tell City, Indiana 47586 or you can email us at lastdayschurch at cs.com or you may call us at 812 812- 836-2288 You can check out our website at www.fojcradio.com Thanks and God bless.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.